Christmas. Not bad, not bad. I think we can do better. Merry Christmas. All right, it's great to be with you. If you have your Bible, turn with me to John chapter 8, and we're going to look at one verse here this afternoon. I was just uh, whispering in Spencer's ear that we're all confused. We don't know if it's morning, night, afternoon, so it's sometime Christmas Eve, and uh, we're really glad that you're here, and uh, we're going to look at one verse that I hope encourages you. Uh, and then we are going to light our candle, okay? So a couple candle instructions. How many of, all, of y'all like really like a real candle lighting service? I do. I'm in. Okay, count me in. Okay, so now here's the serious part. Like we're going to have real fire in the building, okay? So like, you know, those of you who kind of worship freely, you like to dance, this is not the time for that, all right? So stand still, look at your candle, like the light, watch the... The lady in front of you, the hairspray is combustible, okay? Like, it really is, so be careful. And then when you extinguish it, you know, really, really important. Cup your hand, blow it out. You, I don't want you blowing wax into the nice Christmas sweater in front of you, that kind of thing. And uh, we have equipped you and your family uh, with a glow stick for those who you don't think can handle a candle. So, ladies, look over at your husband. If he's not doing well, give him the glow stick, all right? And uh, my, when my son was um, younger, he... Uh, and he would get scared when he was little, and he'd get scared in the middle of the night. He had a, I call it the three-dad cadence to get my attention, which I think is odd anyway. I obviously didn't bring my kids up right, because children in the middle of the night should be calling for their mother, not their father, okay? So there's that. Uh, But anyway, but my son would call for me, and he had a three-dad cadence. And the first dad, it was, he was scared, but he recognized that other people were sleeping and so he would call out dad quiet enough that I had learned to, t- to tune into it, but not loud enough to wake everybody. So it went something like this. He'd wake up, he'd be sad, scared, and he'd go, dad. That was cadence number one. If I was not there by the second dad, it got much louder, okay? So it went like this, second dad. Dad? All right, that was second dad. Now, if I wasn't there by the second dad, Everybody in the house was going to be awake, right? And so at that point, third dad was screaming at the top of his lungs, Dad! You know, and I would have to be in there. And every so often, I'd learned this. I'd learned that my ear was attuned to the first dad. And as I got used to it, I would get there by the second dad. Uh, But sometimes in my sprint to the bedroom, and I heard this as a gift called out many, many times, I would step on one of these. Anybody see what that is? You know what that is? Yeah, I know in the back it's hard to see. I would step on a Lego. It's enough to make a preacher cuss. Let's just say that, right? Like, you know, oh, it's a family service. Anyway, so, you know, I would step on that thing, and I'd be like, you know, what the praise be to the Lord did I just step on kind of thing. And they're really deadly. And so, you know, we started putting up in our house little nightlights, you know, so that by the, I could still make it by the second dad but not injure myself. You know, on the way there. And speaking of light, you know, it's really amazing because, 
you know, this room literally has no ambient light. And if we were to shut all the lights off, it would be extremely dark in here. In fact, I've been in here when all the lights have been off, and it's very, very dark. And, and it, what's amazing about how it just takes a little bit of light to really light up a room like this. In fact, we could just that set of candles right there, our, our Advent wreath, would be plenty of light for us to actually get out safely out of this room. And so we're going to look at one verse here this afternoon that Jesus reminds us of a very, very important truth that I want us to reflect on. So here it is, John chapter 8, verse 12. Ready? It says, again, Jesus spoke to them saying, so here's what Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, this is a remarkably bold, bold claim. Okay. First thing I want you to see is Jesus claims to be the light of the world. I want you to think about that for a minute, right? Let me, let me give you a couple thoughts about what I think the Bible is talking about when it uses the word light. And, and in a moment, when we light our candle, I want you to reflect on these things. First of all, our letter A, if you're taking notes on your handout, it says, light reminds us of God's holiness, now, we just sang about that, right? We just sang, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. You know, it's really, really difficult to understand the importance of the Christmas story without understanding this characteristic of the God of the Bible. The God of the Bible is holy. That means he's without sin. Therefore, what people like me, at least, and like you as well, as sinners deserve, we actually deserve the punishment of God. And so Jesus, by claiming to be the light of the world, is claiming holiness. He's claiming to be without sin. He, Jesus lived the life that God demands, but the life that you and I cannot or are unable because of our sin nature to live. And therefore, Jesus is the perfect sacrifice for sin. So when he died on the cross, it wasn't just a martyr's death, but because he's the light of the world, because he's holy, it's a substitutionary death where he is the only one that was sufficient to bear God's penalty and wrath for your sin and for my sin. And so Jesus is the light of the world, reminds us of God's holiness. Number two, or letter B, the light of the world. The light often brings clarity and light brings direction, right? Now listen, maybe you're you're here on Christmas Eve because you're visiting a relative and they drug you here, okay? And uh, there's people laughing at every service, people laugh because that's probably true, right? And that's okay, and I'm really glad you're here, okay? But let me encourage you with this, right? This claim that Jesus makes is the idea that light brings clarity and direction. You're never going to figure out life on your own, never. You're never going to piece it all together. You're not smart enough, nor am I, by the way. I'm not just picking on you. Like, I'm not smart enough. And I'm not, I don't know enough about the world, nor do you, to put it all together. We need some clarity and direction for our lives so that we know which way to go, so we know how to have purpose, so we know how to have joy. And Jesus is saying, you don't have to look any further than me. I am the light of the world. He said this in John chapter 12. He said, the light is among you for a little while longer. Walk while you have the light so that darkness won't overtake you. The one who walks in darkness doesn't know where he's going. What's Jesus saying? If you're, not, if you're not following him, you don't know where you're going. 
You don't have clarity and you don't have direction. While you have the light, Jesus said, believe in the light that you might become sons of light. And so Jesus is the light of the world. He brings clarity and he brings direction. Let her see. Light gives safety, right? I don't know how many of you have traveled or you're going to travel this week. I know uh, when I travel and beat a path down 95, maybe going to Florida or something like that. And it's, I, I, I always make sure that I travel when I think traffic will be the lightest. I have no problem driving through the night, okay, because I hate traffic. And so when I'm driving through the night on a long-distance trip and I pull off an exit ramp to get a coffee or to fill up with gas, and there are two gas stations, and one is well-lit and one is dimly lit, guess what gas station I'm taking, right? Get what? Which one? Wawa, right? I'm always looking for a Wawa, but they're not outside Virginia. That's the problem, right? So, uh, no, you choose the one that's well lit, right? And why do you choose the one that's well lit? Anybody? It feels safe, right? Light brings a measure of safety. Why? Because things can't be hidden in the dark, right? And so Jesus says, if you want safety through your life, you need to follow him and do things his way. He's the light of the world. He said this in John 11. If anyone walks in the day, Guess what? He doesn't stumble. Why? Because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks at night, what happens? Stumbles, right? Why? Because the light's not in him. Light gives safety on your journey. Letter D, the third thing about Jesus being the light of the world. Light exposes things, right? And in particular, light exposes sin. Light exposes sin. Sin is not doing things according to God's way or according to his character. And the Bible says we're born into sin, which means we don't naturally, apart from the work of God in our hearts, want to do things God's way. God has to give us a spiritual rebirth for us to want to do things his, his way. Therefore, why is that? Because we're naturally sinners. And I want to give you a small dose of truth here this afternoon, right? Some of you, I guarantee you in a room this size, I'm speaking to someone specifically. There is someone in this room that you have intentionally not followed Jesus because you know to follow Jesus is going to mean exposing some difficult things in your life that you're doing or who you are that would not be honoring to God. And if you're going to change from that, now here's what it means to change from that. The Bible word for changing from doing things your way is the word repentance. And the word repentance literally means a 180 degree turn. Sin is, I'm going to do it my way. I want to be the boss of me because I think that's going to fill my life and bring me pleasure. And then when it does, and if we want to get right with God, we've got to repent. We've got to do a 180 degree turn. We need to follow Christ. And so the idea that Jesus is the light of the world is that many of us in this room know that, man, if I'm going to follow Jesus, it exposes my behavior, my thoughts, and my motives for what is right in the eyes of God. You know, in John chapter 3, I'm sure most of us in this room, you probably have certainly have been seen the football game, you know, with the crazy guy with the poster board up behind the goalpost with the verse that says what? John what? 316, right? And a lot of us in this room probably know that verse. It's a gorgeous verse. It's a verse that I repeat to my own heart and mind often to encourage me, right? John 316, for God so what, church? He loves you, man. God genuinely loves you. And God so loves that what did he do? He gave. What did he give? His best gift, his one and only son. What's John 316 say? Forever believes in him will not what? 
We will all die, but you will have, what, eternal life, right? Love that verse. Two verses later, though, Jesus says this. You ready? Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is what, church? Condemned already. Why? Because he's not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is judgment. How are we going to be judged one day before we stand before, when we stand before God? That the light has come into the world and people loved the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light, does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. See, Jesus is the light of the world, and sometimes we don't want to come to the light because the truth is we love doing things our own way more sometimes than we love repenting and doing things God's way because Jesus is holy, and his holiness sometimes exposes our sin, which, by the way, is a good thing, which we're going to talk about in just a minute, which is point number two, right? The second thing I want you to challenge you with out of this verse is that Jesus here makes really, really exclusive claims about himself, Check this out in John chapter 8, verse 12. And so Jesus again spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. So we already focused on light. Now let's, work, let's focus on Jesus saying, I am the. I am the. Notice Jesus doesn't say, hey, you know what? There's a lot of paths in life that you can choose that will give you purpose and hope and joy and life and light. He doesn't say that. Jesus doesn't say that he is a light in the world. What does he say? I am the light in the, in the world. There's a lot of religious teachers that have said, you can follow me. And, 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 but it is Jesus that says, no, those other teachers are false teachers. There's only one way to God. Listen, I, I want to make a, a really, 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 really radical claim here this afternoon. And I feel confident in making this claim. Because it's the claim that Jesus made about himself. There is only one path to knowing and following the true and living God. And it is by putting your faith and your trust in the person of Jesus Christ. There is no other path to God according to the scriptures. Jesus said this in John chapter 14. Jesus said, I am the way... I am the what? And I am the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. Now listen, you're sitting here this afternoon, you're like, why do these Christians get so crazy around Christmas and Easter? Okay? It's because we really believe what Jesus taught about himself. I'm glad, we're all glad you're here. Like Pastor Spencer's been, it's been a while since you've been. Man, we're so, so glad you're here. But we want you to know, man, Jesus makes exclusive claims about himself. Listen, do not do the disservice of calling Jesus just a good teacher. And do not do the disservice of calling Jesus just a moral guide. And do not do the disservice of calling Jesus just a good prophet. He's all of those, to be sure. But he's way, way more than that. He never claimed to be just that. He actually claimed to be God and to be the only way 
to God. Everybody with me? C.S. Lewis, probably most of us in this room know him as the author of The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. He said this about Jesus. He said, Jesus is either a liar, meaning he claimed to be the only way to God, but there's other ways to God. If, that was, if there's other ways to God, then Jesus is a liar, which makes him not a good teacher. It makes him a liar. Or, C.S. Lewis said, Jesus is a crazy man. He's a lunatic. He claimed to be the only way to God, and what a crazy statement to make unless it's what? Unless it's true, right? Or, C.S. Lewis said, Jesus is exactly who he said he is. He's the only way to God. So listen, here's what I want to challenge you with this, this afternoon. Jesus is not a figure in history to be trifled with nor ignored. He made exclusive and serious claims that I would encourage you this Christmas holiday season to seriously consider. And he punctuated these claims by rising again from the dead. Anybody? Listen, you step out of your grave, you've got my attention. All right? And that is the honest of God's truth. Because as a pastor, I do a lot of funerals. Merry Christmas, everybody. Okay, so uh, Merry Christmas. I do a lot of funerals. And if you step out of your grave, you've got my attention. And so Jesus made these claims, hung on a cross, died. They placed his body in a grave. And three days later, he victoriously rose over the wage of sin. The Bible says your sin is earned to something. Wages of sin is what? Jesus overcame that for you by stepping out of his grave. And therefore, point number three, since he's the light of the world, the light of Jesus brings life. You want real life? It's found in Jesus. And the Bible talks about two kinds of life that Jesus brings. Number one, or letter A, Jesus brings abundant life. He brings real life here on the planet, right? John chapter 10, Jesus said this in verse 9. He said, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved. It means being saved from the penalty of your sin. You will go in and out and you'll find pasture. Verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I came that they may have life and have it what, church? Abundantly, right? You guys sound like we're at a funeral, all right? Abundant life is awesome, right? I have come, let's, say, let's do that again. Put that back on them. We, that was so poor. All right, we need to do that again. Here we go. Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it what, church? All right, praise the Lord. I am the good shepherd, he said, and the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Listen, I think what Jesus is saying here is that there's nothing in this life that will satisfy your soul like him. Now listen, I'm sure most of us in this room have pets. How many of y'all have, this pains me to say, how many of y'all have cats? Okay, yep. Merry Christmas to you. All right. How many of y'all have a real pet? You have a dog. Okay, so there you go. Okay. I've just offended half the people. So um, how many of y'all think you have the best dog in the room? Okay, you don't. Okay, I'm just letting you know mine's the best. Okay. I love my pet. Here's the deal. You ready? Your pet and my pet does not have a soul. You're actually created different than the animals. You have a... Look, I... There's the cat people. There they go. Wait, oh, it's Pastor Spencer. Okay, so there they go. All the cat people. Uh, 
All right, here we go. Ready? God created you different than your pet. You're created in the image of God, which means there's a spiritual nature in your soul, in your spirit, that no material thing can fill. The new car, while you might need it, and I hope you get it, it won't fill that thing in your soul that's created for spiritual rebirth in Christ. Even an earthly relationship. You know, Mariah Carey, all I want for Christmas is you under the Christmas tree or whatever she says. Like, ooh, that's weird. Okay, like, you know. Like, a, a person will not fill that hole in your soul. The, your bank account being a certain size will not fill that hole in your soul. We, we talked about this during Advent. Our, each candle, we read a different word that Christ fills a hole in the soul. You need peace that passes understanding during a difficult season. Some of you, this Christmas is a difficult season. Only Christ can give abundant life and fill that hole in your soul. You need hope when it's dark. Only Christ can give hope when there appears to be no hope. You need purpose in the journey as you're going through life. Only Christ will help find purpose in the journey. You need light in the darkness as you're trying to figure your way out. Only Jesus Christ is the light in the darkness. He is the abundant life. Everything else is a cheap imitation trying to fill that spiritual hole in your soul that only Christ can fill. He, he said, I am the abund- I've come to give them life and give it to you abundantly. That's Jesus Christ, abundant life. Number two, here we go, letter B here. The second thing that Jesus promised, I am the light. All those who follow me will have life. The second part of life is Jesus gives eternal life. Jesus said in John chapter 11, verse 25, he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he dies, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. And then he asked this to the person he was talking to. He said, he asked, do you believe this? See, Jesus asked a very important question. Do you believe that he's the one to give eternal life? We are not called to just believe. I don't need to hear any more songs about just believe. It's very nebulous. Jesus actually calls us to believe in something specific. He calls us to believe in him as the hope of abundant and eternal life. He is the only way to have those two things in your life because Jesus is the light of the world. Amen, church. Amen. All right. And so I want you to know that. I want to finish by asking you a question, and we're going to light our candles, and we are going to go out singing here this afternoon. There's two different groups of people in this room. We've already determined there's the cat and the dog people, all right? There's also the artificial tree people. Raise your hand, artificial tree people. Yes, artificial tree. All right, okay, good. And then there's the live tree people. How many... The live tree people get smaller and smaller every year. I'm just telling you, I've done this. I've done a straw poll. All right, live tree people. Why do you get the live tree? It smells good. I hear every service, it smells good. You know, uh, they make a plug-in. They make a plug-in, okay? You can put that behind the artificial tree and fake them all out. Um, I have both in my house. I, I like the smell. I like the live tree. Uh, for us live tree people, though, I've got really bad news. 
that live tree is actually already what? It's a dead tree, right? It's a dead tree. You bring that thing home, you stick it in a gallon bucket of water or whatever your tree stand is, and like the first day or so, what happens? You know, it sucks all that water. And now about this time, if you've had it for a good couple weeks, at this time, you haven't added water in about a week, right? How many of y'all there? Like, I haven't, yeah, I'm the thing that I haven't. And by the time you take that water out, it's putrid. You know, I was like, I can't believe I've kept this in my house this long, right? And you keep that dead tree in your house long enough, it's going to become a serious fire hazard. Merry Christmas to you all, okay? And so, but what do we do with this dead tree? What do we do, right? Try to make it look pretty, right? We decorate it. We put ornaments on it. Anybody use tinsel anymore? Is tinsel a thing? A couple of tinsel people? I think it should come back. Actually, I've been thinking about that. Like, tinsel should come back. Anyway, side note. Okay, so tinsel, we put the lights on it, we decorate it, all right? Why is that tree actually dead? Anybody? You've been been cut off from its roots. That's right. All right, here it is. You ready? In the same vein, our lives have been severed from their roots. Our root is our creator. And our creator wants you to have life. Life abundant and life eternal. But our sin has separated us from the roots. And here's the deal. You can decorate your life. You can dress it up. You can put a nice house around it. Put it in a nice car. Send it on some nice vacations. Make sure it gets new clothes. Plastic surgery if you want to. Try to make it look young again. But the deal is your life has been severed from its roots. And no amount of stuff is going to bring it back to life again. You ready for this? Even religion will not bring it back to life again. Only a relationship with Christ will restore what has been severed. And so, at Coastal, we use a word a lot. And I'm going to have the Coastal people shout it out, okay, for in a minute. But the word means good news. What's the word we use, Coastal people? Gospel, right? The word gospel means good news. And I've been a follower of Jesus for a long time, and I need to be reminded every day of the gospel because I'm so thankful for the gospel of Jesus. And the world entices me to forget, and it entices me to dig, decorate this dying tree with the world's decorations as if that will bring life. And I have to remind myself, no, that is not what brings life. So I want to be really clear for a minute, and then we're going to light our candle, and we're going to sing. This is what the word gospel means. The good news is this. God sent his very best gift. Gospel is Jesus is God. We use the word at Christmas time, Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? Okay. I want you to think about that for a minute. The Bible teaches that Jesus is God set foot on this planet in flesh. Mind blown, right? Jesus is God. Because he's God, because he's the light of the world, and he's holy. He's a sufficient sacrifice for sin. Number two, Jesus died on the cross for our sins. That's what gospel means. So you're a sinner, which you are. I'm a sinner. If I stood in my own stead before God Almighty, I'd have to pay for my sins. But instead, Jesus, the sufficient sacrifice, hung on the cross and bore God's wrath for all my mess-ups and all your mess-ups. He died on the cross for our sin. If that was the end of the story, it'd just be a good martyr story. 
but it's way better than that. They took his dead body off the cross. They placed him in a tomb. And three days later, Jesus overcame the consequence of sin. The wages of sin is what? It's death. Jesus overcame death, and he bodily rose from the grave, and authenticating his claims as being the Son of God. So how do we receive this good news? Ready? Three words we use around here. Number one, you have to repent of your sin. You have to say, I'm a sinner. I'm disconnected from my creator. I've been doing things my own way, but I need to repent of my sin. I need to turn, and I need to follow the light of God. Jesus is the light of the world. I need to follow Jesus, right? That's repentance. Number two, I need to believe believe what? It's not just belief in belief or faith in faith, but it's belief in who Jesus said he is. Jesus is God. Jesus died on the cross for my sins. Jesus bodily rose from the grave. I have to believe those things in my mind and in my heart. And number three, I need to receive Christ into my heart. And when we receive Christ in our heart, the spirit of the living God begins to transform us to be more like Christ. So we experience more and more of the abundant life. So here's the deal. Just a second, we're going to hold the candle, we're going to sing the song, and we're going to look at the candle, and we're going to remind ourselves that not, yes, this candle is just a mere metaphor of the fact that Jesus is indeed the light of the world. Jesus doesn't want to be a distant light of the nebulous world. Jesus wants to be the personal light to your world. Amen? And so if you're a Christian, we hold this, we sing this, we remind ourselves, because everything in the world is thrown at us and trying to get us to not pay attention that Jesus is the light of the world. And if you're here this morning and this afternoon and you're not yet a Christian, we want you to know Christ today. And we want to give you an opportunity to receive Christ today, have an incredible Christmas, walking in the light that God has sent, the light of Jesus Christ. So let's bow our heads and pray. I want to give you an opportunity right now to do business with God Almighty through Christ, the light of the world. And you can pray this with me. Heavenly Father, it's become clear to me today that I've been doing things my own way. And if I'm being honest, it's left me in darkness. It's left me trying to fill a hole in my heart that that stuff won't fill. Relationships won't fill. And it's left me needing more. And so as best I understand it today, God, I, I repent. I turn from doing things my own way, and I believe that you, oh God, gave me your very best gift, your one and only son, that Jesus is indeed God, that Jesus indeed died on the cross for me, and Jesus bodily rose from the grave, authenticating his claims that he is indeed the son of God, the only way to God, and I receive him into my heart and life today. So God, as I receive the light of the world into my life, God, I pray that you'll begin to make my path clear. Protect me as I grow to know you. To turn from sin and to grow in holiness and righteousness. And receive Jesus as Savior and Lord. And Father, for all of us today, we have just this moment. It's a busy, busy world. Busy, busy season, We have this moment here this afternoon as we sing, as we light our candles, to just pause and give you praise and thanksgiving. You could have left us as mankind groping in the darkness as we just sang in sin and air opining. But instead, God, you sent your son. He's our light. 
we thank you for that light, God, for caring for us. You didn't have to do that. And so we're going to close with this song, either as a new Christian or an old Christian, God, just praising you for being the light that's come into our dark world and giving us the hope of both abundant and eternal life. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. You guys can stand. I want to invite the ushers forward. It's going to take just a second to spread the light. I want to let you know after the service is over, if you need prayer, you'd like to talk to someone about what does it mean to be a Christian, our prayer team's up under the screen, and uh, they would love to pray with you. Let's pass the light. Remember, Jesus is indeed the light of the world.